prayer is central to the Christian walk, to the Christian faith, to a relationship with God. It is not an understatement to say that you really can't claim to be Christian or to have a relationship with God if prayer is not a central part of your life. However, there is another truth, and it's a very unfortunate truth regarding prayer, and that it is, from my experience at least, one of the least understood spiritual disciplines and essential aspects of a Christian walk. And this is such an unfortunate and detrimental thing because as long as it remains as such, our walk with God, our relationship with God, our Christian life will be hindered and fall short. So we can't allow it to stay the way it is. So let's talk about it. Welcome to Grounded in the Word. We are so grateful and thankful that you have taken time out of your day to join us here. We don't take it lightly. We don't take it for granted. We are truly thankful. We pray that this podcast and all that we talk about here is a blessing in your life and helps you to grow and mature in your walk with God. Here, our focus is all about the foundation or the ground that we plant in. The, the ground that the seed of the Word of God is planted in. Because the quality of the ground, the quality of the soil determines the quality of the fruit. It's all about the ground. It's all about the foundation. So I pray that you would join us in ensuring that the foundation that we build on and the ground that we plant in is good. In Jesus' name. Now, to the episode. So, prayer. Prayer is, as we, as I prefaced in the intro, one of the most essential aspects of a Christian walk. And you really, you, you can't have a relationship with God without prayer. You know, a lot of times in, in church and services and sermons and teachings, I've, you know, we've all heard it. Uh, correlated to a relationship that you have with a friend or, or a spouse or a family member and how that relationship will die if there is no communication um, and how it's the same way with prayer. Prayer is our communication with God. And we all, we all understand that. We all understand the basic principle that prayer is communication with God at its simplest. And like I said, we all get that. But the, the question is, what is it beyond that? Because everybody understands that. Everybody understands that when they go to prayer, they are going to communicate with God. That's not what, you know, catches people. That's not what trips them up. What trips them up is the more fine details, the, the intricacies, the, the what's and the why's of prayer. They don't understand what to pray about they don't know understand what to pray for they don't understand why they are praying or why they're praying for a specific thing they don't understand what their prayers are actually accomplishing it's these questions at least from my personal experience from conversations that i've had with various people it's these questions it's these just confusions that trip people up and almost make prayer seem more like a frustration more than a refuge because you know in in the psalms david constantly talked about how god was his refuge that wasn't a physical place that was a spiritual place that was a place that david was able to go to in prayer that in the time of trouble he knew that god would be his refuge 
But as I said, from my experience, very few people feel like prayer is a refuge, something they want to run to, and more so something they want to run away from. So what is prayer? What are the intricacies of prayer? What are what, what do we pray for? What do our prayers accomplish? Why do we pray? Why do we pray for other people? What does that do? These are the questions that I feel, you know, we really need to address. I think in terms of prayer, it is just as essential as the word because it's our second pipeline of communication with God. You know, the word is forever settled and it's God speaking to us. But in prayer, it becomes me speaking today's experience, me speaking today's emotion, me speaking today's need and awareness of God. So prayer is that right now response in my life to the forever settled word. Right. It, prayer has to be relative. I mean, you have to not relegate it to the archives um, of past experience. Like you said, bringing today's problems, bringing today's um, situations, because you're not talking to a God of yesterday, you're talking to a God of today. So again, understanding the what and why, why you pray, um, it's, it, it, it translates understanding who you're praying to and those things set the foundation for that. But getting into that experience and uh, prayer, um, the Bible is, is full and you can go back and, and figure out the relevance of the word in the New Testament is based on the fulfillment of prophecy in the Old Testament. So there was a foundation and then there was a fulfillment. But when you find, um, there's a lot of places in the Bible that when you get to a point, you find that there's, this is the transition point for this prophecy. This is the, the, the moment of transition for this prophecy and so on and so forth. And in the New Testament, you find Jesus talking and there's a fulfillment of um there's a fulfillment that that transitions at that moment that that you no longer are somewhat under the law but now you're under relationship so he's taking us into um, a new wave and trying to let the people know that it's not it's not just a hard judgment now it's now you have a god that you can have relationship with not a tabernacle not a not a uh, Ark of the Covenant, not a place, but now you have a spirit that can dwell in you and you can abide in and he can abide in you, that there's a setup for the Acts experience that is a transition. And that's prayer gets you to be able to tap into that and into your gifting that can you can experience through that. Um, but as you said, Heath, it's, it brings it into um, today and brings our experience because relationship is not old a husband and wife can't talk about their relationship when they first got married the honeymoon experience was exactly that the honeymoon experience you can have a renewed relationship throughout as that is a foundation but you may never relive that experience you need to have the fresh experience so every day that you pray is is a today prayer it's a today experience um, that god wants you to have Definitely. Obviously, prayer has to be a fresh thing. It has to be a current thing. It can't rely on, you know, the, the Bible says vain repetitions where it just becomes a routine and a, a process that's just there for the process. But it, it is truly about the relationship, like you said, Chris. It's all about my communion and connection with God. And that happens through my prayer. So you kind of touched on it already with what you just said about the vain repetitions. You know, Jesus was talking in the Gospels about 
he said when you pray you know establishing the the fact that prayer is essentiality prayer is something that is expected in the life of christian when you pray and he talked about the different aspects of prayer and then he said it's not vain repetitions thinking that your many words will get the attention of god and i think that's another area that we really get hung up on is you know jesus gave us the the outline of prayer you know uh our father in heaven hallowed be your name you know the lord's prayer that was never meant to be a strict repeat this step-by-step outline it was it was a pattern it was a flow it was a if you don't know if you, it, it, this is this is how you start, but there are deeper levels of this because the disciples came to him and they said, "Teach us how to pray." They were ignorant, so God he could he, he could not teach them the intricacies or the deep things of prayer. He had to start with them where they were at, and that was this very foundational level. So that's that's just what the Lord's prayer is. It is a foundational setting the outline for the setting the pattern for prayer until you really get into that place of relationship for yourself where you no longer need that pattern but you're able to flow through relationship and um i was i was talking to um uh, i believe it was my wife or a friend the other day about daily prayer and how your prayers each day in a sense, should not look the exact same. Because not every day is going to require or ask of you the same things. You're not going to deal with the same things every day. You're not going to be presented with the same circumstances and struggles. You're not going to be uh, pre, you know, presented with the same uh, struggles in your mind or your heart each day. Each day will bring a new thing. Jesus even said this. He said, uh, when talking about not not being anxious or not uh, pursuing thing, not pursuing food or or clothes, but to pursue his kingdom first. He said, with each day, you yeah. know, the each day will take care of itself. You know, each day has its own stresses, its own anxieties, its own this, that, or the other. So don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on right here and right now. And so each day we are presented with a new thing. So each day is it, there should be a not not necessarily a different approach to prayer, but it should be, like I said, you shouldn't be praying the same things every day because you're not going to need help with yeah. everything, you know, the, the same things each and every day. So someday you might be stressed out, anxiety through the roof. And so that day your prayer is focused on God. Give me peace. Lord, wash me in your peace. The next day you might be feeling sick as a dog. So that day, it's going to be, God, I need your strength. I need your healing. But if the day that you need, you're feeling sick as, sick as a dog, but you're still praying for peace over your mind, that's not helping your present situation. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a awareness and a, and a sense of presence of this is where I am today. And this is what I need to tap into today. And let's not forget that it doesn't have to be about, oh, my situation, so I need. It can just be a matter of, I just want to talk to God. I just want to remind him that I need him, even when I don't need him, if that makes sense. I mean, you know, not that I will never need God, but, you know, my life does not have to be in shambles for me to want to communicate with God. Matter of fact, my best communication is when my life is not in shambles because then I can just enjoy and acknowledge him. And, and then there's that, that I don't want to say open ended, but it's no strings attached communication with God. It's just because I want him. It's not because I need him. It's not because I need something. He's not my genie in a bottle, but I just, I want to communicate to God. And it's those moments that lead you into a deeper relationship with him yeah that you can't get when you're praying for a specific need and that's what i don't 
think some people understand because when they're on the mountaintop, they think they've attained and they stop pursuing. They need to pray now. Yeah, they stop pursuing and they they accept where they're at. But that's when you can you're you're the closest to God. You're you you don't have the distractions. You don't have the the burdens that are weighing your mind down, trying to pull you to attack this this and this. But you're free to step into that relationship. And as you said earlier, Chris, that this is a, a place of refuge. Um, that is the best ex, um, explanation of the what uh, what prayer is, because when it's a refuge, even if you it, you mentioned if you're, you need peace in your mind, then pray for peace that day. And the next day, if you're sick, pray for pray for healing. Um, but also, when you step into that um, place of refuge. It is a, in a sense, it's your, it's your escape from the, from the present time Mm -hmm. because you're stepping into God's time. You're stepping into God's realm. So in that escape, you can be sick as a dog and you step into that place. And God may say in the moment of your sickness, I'm putting somebody else's heart on your, on your your mind, pray for them, pray for their health, pray for this. And you'll get yours because it was said before prayer is tapping into that that spirit of love you can't pray for people out of hatred you said mm-hmm. that um, you can't pray for people um, out of just manipulation I mean that gets into witchcraft and things trying to manipulate other people's wills but you when you truly pray you're praying out of love so if you're doing that and you step into that place of refuge you're allowing God to take you to that next level to that next dimension in that ne- next dimension, um, the one thing that it says is not my will, your will be done. So when you step into that, God then begins to manifest. And that's when prayer begins. Yeah. Prayer begins when your will stops and you say, I'm not, what's going on with me doesn't matter. It's when I step in there, you lead me to what you want me to pray about. And that, that comes with a depth. I get it. Maturity in prayer, different things, understanding the principle of even when I don't even when I don't see it, I'm going to do it. Even when I don't feel it, I'm going yeah. to still do it. Um, but understanding that that's what prayer is, embrace that as a refuge. And that's a place that God can take you. And you can do so much more when you're allowing God to, to drive rather than us being behind the wheel. But isn't that like everything in our relationship with God, that it's all about the lessening of self to the increase of God so that in that's manifested in our prayer because everything about our prayer needs to be a a preparation a process to get me out of the way okay i'm i'm talking to god yeah i'm communicating with god but it's not because of me it's because of him it's to try and connect with what his purpose his plan his will his desire so whether i'm praying for my need or someone else's need, whether I'm praying for uh, uh, someone's soul that I know is weighing in the balance, it's all about trying to tap into what God desires, which is for me to have a good life, which is for every soul to be saved, which is for everyone to come to repentance. So I'm my prayers, whatever vein it goes down, is all trying to connect in and tap in with, with God's purpose for me and for my family, for coworkers, for neighbors, for everyone. So I think that's a really good vein to go down, uh, praying for other people, right? Because I feel like that's one of the least understood aspects of prayer, because the question is, what does me praying for someone else accomplish? Hmm. You know, because it's not how does me praying for them affect their life? Because it's it's their life. So how are my prayers affecting them? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a big question. I think that we oftentimes ask ourselves. And referencing back for for the sake of clarity, uh, the the correlation you made when uh, referencing how I said that you pray for people out of love. For our listeners' sake, that statement was made before this episode began. That's probably why you're wondering why you don't remember hearing that. Um, it, it, Say that, it again, Chris. Okay, so what was said was, 
uh, we're talking about intercession and, and we'll, we'll talk about intercession here in just a minute, but the first part of, you know, we're talking about praying for other people. What does it actually accomplish? What does it actually do? And, you know, a lot of time we focus on what, what does praying for other people actually accomplish in that person's life? And what we don't oftentimes realize is what it does in our own life. We don't think about that part of it because in order to pray for someone, it, you, as Pastor Fisher already, you know, repeated, um, you don't pray for someone out of hatred. It's it's impossible. You, you only pray for people out of love. And so what you are doing when you are praying for someone is you are actually tapping into the heart of God, the love of God, which brings you into alignment with him. Yeah. Brings you closer to him so that now you are feeling what he feels and you are seeing what he sees and you are being led of his spirit, which then grows your personal relationship with him because now you are being brought closer to him. And we haven't even gotten into the gotten into what it does for the person you're praying for. This yeah. is just what it's doing for you in your own life. Is it makes you more like him, right? Because it it we we talk about this all the time in our podcast, Pastor Fisher. Humility. It it comes it comes up probably at least once of once an episode because it's so central to the Christian faith. It's it's you can't you can't be Christian without humility. It's just that simple. And the same thing, you'll never pray for someone without humility mm-hmm. because praying for someone is, as Paul said, preferring them above yourself because right. now you are placing somebody else's needs, somebody else's situation, somebody else's circumstance over your own life. Yeah. So you are lowering yourself, making yourself of no reputation, making yourself lowly. Losing your identity, as Brother Hernandez defined it, and placing them on the pedestal, placing them as the as the higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Brother Hernandez in his book, um, uh, Maintaining Divine Operations, when he's talking about humility, he said <clears throat> what, an attitude of humility, and this is so contrary to Western culture, an attitude of humility is it, it looks at somebody else and says, wow. They are so much better than me. Hmm. How, when was the last time you heard someone say that about someone else? Because it's so contrary to our culture, because in our culture and our understanding, um, that is, that is something it's degrading to ourselves. Well, but that's exactly what humility is. It's to make yourself low. It's to recognize that you're not on the top pedestal. And allowing someone else to be on the top pedestal, but so then there's the other aspect of praying for people, other for others. What does it actually do in their own life? And this gets us into intercession. Mm-hmm. And we were talking briefly before we started the recording about intercession, and about how we oftentimes fail to have a complete understanding of what it is, because a lot of times when someone in the church hears or thinks about intercession, their mind goes to this super deep vein in the spirit. For those in the UPCI, you know, the name Nona Freeman. Yeah. And you've, you've likely heard the story about, uh, I don't remember all the details of the story, but I believe they were, um, I know they were overseas. I think it was their daughter who was deathly ill or something. I believe it was something along, along those lines. And Nona Freeman had prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed um, for in, to, to the point where she had no more strength. Yeah. And she, she cried out to God. And like I said, I don't remember all the details of the story, so I may be getting some of this wrong. But she cried out to God saying, God, I simply don't have the strength to keep on praying. Mm. And in the spirit, God connected her with another spirit-filled believer in prayer and so then that that other individual began to pray for nona freeman and her daughter when nona freeman could not and that's that's oftentimes what we think of when we think of intercession i think that's probably what limits people from tapping into prayer yes because they think that unless they're getting into that kind of a vein i'm not 
praying like I ought, so to speak. Yes. And the reality is that we over-spiritualize prayer. We think prayer has to be that type of experience or it's ineffective. We think that prayer has to be this ultra-spiritual thing or it's not right. And that's not the reality. The reality is self versus spirit. I am going to lay myself down so I can pray for somebody else. And sometimes it is nothing more than me saying, God, this person needs you because I know they're not living with you or they're right. they're why I'm seeing their life. My, my eyes are working. I see the struggles that they're having. So yeah. I'm going to pray that somehow their situation turns. I see they're sick. So I'm going to pray that there's healing. I see that this situation has went on in their life. So I'm just going to pray the obvious. I'm not tapped into some spiritual vein. God didn't speak the words into my heart. God didn't shine the light down from heaven, illuminating their issue. No, it's me just recognizing in a very human, carnal, realistic life that they have a need. And so I'm going to pray for that need. And it doesn't have to be this ultra spiritual thing to be effective. It just has to be me laying myself down and allowing God to direct my heart to say, man, you really shouldn't, they need prayer and somebody needs to pray for them. And if somebody needs to do it, then it might as well be me. Right. And we find that demonstrated in just about every altar call that any church could ever have. And we are limited to the miracles and the the blessings that could be poured out at every altar call or at every church service um, if we would just operate in the gift of observation. Well, um, because the prophetic gifting will flow, but a prophetic fi- gifting does not have to be present um, for there to be miracles because just the simple gift of observation, opening your eyes, as you said, see, see the need, uh, know the need that you, that you know is around you. If we operated on that, because how many times do we walk in a church service and we know so-and-so struggling, we know something's happening here or there. Gift of observation. What scripture was that in? Uh, that's Revelation twenty three fifty two. Um, those of you that haven't gotten in your Bible recently, Revelation has twenty two chapters. Um, but it's the gift of observation. Just basically says, God put me where the need is. Yes. But open your eyes and just look. That's it's simple. We bypass so many miracles every single service because we're not. We know there's there's problems, but we're waiting for God to call it out. Right. Let me, let me give somebody some revelation here. God called it out when he sent you to the church service. Hmm. So if, you, if, if there's five people in the service that have a willing and obedient heart, God showed up because God is wanting to use you for that. Now, the problem is, again, we over-spiritualize it, but we have to also understand the difference between operating on a God-given principle and operating in a God-called gifting. Mm-hmm. Nona Freeman had a gifting of intercessory prayer. You tap into another dimension. Um, that comes through maturity. That comes through um, a walk with God, suffering with God, affliction. Um, but that comes also, we talked about earlier, Heath, the, being on the mountaintop. That comes from not stopping praying when you get that. That way you propel yourself yes. further. So when you go through an affliction, you're, you're a mile down the road and you're not replaying the same struggles. So progressing is, is key, not staying in the same, same place. But operating in a gifting is way different than just operating in the principle because every day you get down to pray and you show up, it's just simply saying, I'm standing in the gap for somebody, intercessory prayer. It's just a, a very basic, I don't know what they need, what's going on. I don't need to know details, but I'm, I'm the bridge. Right. Um, you get into a gifting, then you're going to have... Um, an intercessory prayer team at a, of, of a church, any church, not everybody on that team is probably going to have a gifting of intercessory prayer, but they have a heart for intercessory prayer. They are bridges and linked together. They can create a bridge to a need and reach out as that, as that obedience. See, giftings can be supernaturally handed out. They can be imparted, mm-hmm. but I'm a firm believer that giftings are also learned and also done through obedience. Yeah. 
So if you're not willing and obedient, then you're not going to develop that gifting um, and allow that gifting to be developed in you. 100%. So allowing the fruits of the Spirit to be active allows the gifts of the Spirit to be active. Um, so how we progress in that really determines how we progress in the gifting um, and how much more powerful can a principle be if we're gifted in that principle. But not everybody is going to be gifted in every everything that God has. Um, the Bible says covet the best, covet the, the best gifts. It doesn't mean that one gift is over the other. It means covet the gift that's needed. Yeah. Um, but that's spiritual discernment. You walk into a house, what's needed? The gift of tongues is not needed here, but the gifts of healing is. Sometimes it's just that gift of, gift of observation. Gift of observation. It's needed 100%. I spoke to a friend this week who was out on a job, went to someone's house because he go, goes to people's mm -hmm. places to do work, answers the door, and the, the customer is in tears gift of observation said something's wrong now obviously you can wait for god to give you the discernment and tell you all the things and that word of wisdom and knowledge and and maybe right. you will open yourself up to understand or you can just use that simple gift of observation and say what's going on yeah just got off the phone my doctor says i have cancer my brother died of this cancer and i'm terrified and my friend just reached out, hugged him, cried with him, prayed with him. Simple, yes. easy, Impactful. yet it touched a life in a way that he couldn't have done if he waited on that spiritual moment to right. open the situation up. Right. And let me say, not to steer off of intercessory prayer, we'll stay in this vein, but let's, let me just touch on evangelism because we've got a heavy season of evangelism coming up this summer, but it's... The, what stops people from talking to people on the street is if I don't have a word of wisdom or I don't have a word of knowledge, if God's not I telling have me to be led, have to be led to, to somebody. No, you're on the street. The people are in the park. You're at the block party. You're at this person's house. You're there. So it's the old story of the guy that there was a flood. He was on the roof, roof of the house and the floodwaters are coming up and a guy in a, a guy in a, a canoe comes comes floating by as the waters rise. Um, the guy in a canoe comes by and he says, he says, hey, um, here, I'm, I'm here to save you, get in the canoe. And he said, no, I'm waiting on God to deliver me. The guy in the canoe leaves. The guy in a bass boat comes flying up because everybody's got boats because there's just a flood. Hey, jump in the boat. Let's go to safety. No, I'm waiting on God to deliver me. Then last ditch effort, a helicopter comes over. He's standing on the peak of the chimney. Hey, Climb on the rope and get in the helicopter. We're leaving. He's like, no, I'm waiting on God to deliver. God will show up. Mm -hmm. He dies, goes to heaven. God, he's, He asked God one question. He said, why didn't you come and deliver me? He said, I came three times. I came in the canoe, came in the boat, came in the helicopter. Simple illustration. But when you are somewhere yeah. and you don't operate in that, then you need not to ask what God is doing in that situation. And you need to ask what God is doing in me. Because if you don't feel that you're God's representation, then none of this is going to make sense. How many miracles have you heard about where a minister will say, I went up and prayed for this person and I felt nothing. He just prayed because he knew he needed to pray. And yet then moments later, days later, they get the report that a mighty miracle occurred and nobody even realized because it didn't feel miraculous it didn't feel spiritual but god doesn't need to feel miraculous or spiritual to do what he needs to do through you yes all about obedience all about sensitivity so you know i feel like a lot of people are like okay so we're talking about intercession we talked about how it doesn't always have to be you know super deep and super spiritual about how there are different levels to it, but what do those other levels look like? What does it look like when it's not super spiritual? Um, and I think there are two perfect examples from scripture. There are probably many, but two that immediately come to mind for this purpose. The first is one that we're all uh, very familiar with likely, and that is in the wilderness, 
Moses was on Mount Sinai with God, receiving the Ten Commandments. Divine revelation is being given. He's up there for 40 days and 40 nights. The Israelites down at the base of the mountain, they literally think that he has died up there. They, he'd been gone for so long, no sign of him. They're like, he died up on the mountain. And so what did they do? They turned to Aaron, the second in command, and said, Aaron, you're now the guy. What do we do? Aaron, in a moment of terror and, and, and fright and just not knowing what to do because he wasn't expecting to be in this position, yeah. said, give me all your gold, all the things that came from Egypt, I'm going to make you a golden calf. He makes it and says, this is Yahweh. This is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And they began to worship the golden calf. Moses begins to come down off the mountain and sees the rebellion of the people, breaks the Ten Commandments. Now, remember the flow of all this. Israel had not yet received the Ten Commandments. Yeah. There was not that they had not yet received the law. the law. They had not yet received understanding of God's divine will. They were acting out of they were led astray by Aaron by through ignorance. Mm-hmm. They were ignorant of what they were doing because in their mind, they were worshiping Yahweh because he said, this is the God that brought you out of mm-hmm. Egypt. So in their mind, this was Yahweh. This is what they thought, because Aaron said it must be true. And so they they acted in out of in a idolatry through ignorance. Hmm. And so Moses breaks the Ten Commandments, goes back up on the mountain, and God is, you know, in his wrath, saying he's gonna wipe them out, he's gonna start a new lineage through Moses. Moses could have said, Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Let's do that. But instead, he says, wait, you have brought them all this way. Why kill them now? Show them mercy. Show them grace. Show them love. It wasn't anything deep or profound. It was the gift of observation. And it was Moses bridging the gap. And and God, God received that intercession. And he showed Israel mercy and he gave again the the, the law, the the Ten Commandments to Moses to give to the people, to show them the error of the ways, to help them correct their path. But why did God receive the intercession? Because Israel's sin was out of ignorance, Mm -hmm. not rebellion. But then we fast forward and we come to the narrative of the prophet Samuel with Saul. You know, Saul was anointed king. And he, he was doing great things at first, but then step by step, he began to, he began to uh, fall away from the will of God. And he began to rebel. He knew what was right. He knew what was wrong. He knew he had been told what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. And he went out of his way to do what he had been told not to do. It was not ignorance. It was rebellion. But Samuel went to prayer and went to intercede on behalf of Saul, and God said, stop. Yeah, I have rejected him as king. And so the, the basic principle of intercessory prayer is when you pray for something, pray for someone, something that they either don't know they need to pray for themselves, don't know how to pray for themselves, or don't have the strength to pray for themselves. And it's you bridging that gap between that individual and God on the behalf of the individual for whatever the reason is. And just so there's no confusion, just because somebody may have heard a gospel message and then not responded to it themselves does not mean that they have in their own heart rebelled. It, it may be they just don't fully recognize their needs. So don't stop praying for these people just because, oh, they darkened the door of my church seven years ago, so they're on their own. No. Right. Our calling is to always be reaching and wait for God, like he told Samuel. Wait for God to tell you to stop. Until yeah. God tells me stop, I'm praying for everybody. 
I don't care how backslidden they are. I don't care where they came from. I don't care if they've never known him. I don't know if they walked with God for years and then turned away. I'm praying for them until God says stop. Yeah. The simple um, illustration of that too is somebody that's bearing their pain. I mean, they're they're carrying it um, as a heavy load, but they're bearing it to where when they come in, they got a smile on their face. They use, yeah, anytime you oh, talk yeah. to them at work or at church or school, they seem to be that person that's okay. Yeah. That term that's all encompassing and everything's, everything's fine, but it's not until you reach out. It's not until you would lay hands on them in an altar call. It's not until you come up and give them a hug. It's not until you show that love and compassion just through being a part of the body um, that then they, it pierces through the, through the pain and shows them that there's a little glimmer of light that they haven't seen in years that then they begin to open up. So observation then can't even see that. So it transcends even observation and just, just the simple doing, I mean, just, just pray. I mean, when you just obey and do it, it doesn't have to be in a deep level, but once you do it, then you can operate in observation. Then you can operate in the depth. So there's a progression of that. Um, just to add, so you were you were talking about um, Moses and the uh, uh, on Mount Sinai coming down. What's interesting in God's progression on that was, let's skip before that when the children of Israel were still in bondage. Um, there, one of the last uh, plagues that came through was the the firstborn was was killed throughout the camp. And it was only because the blood was put on the doorpost and they killed the lamb and consumed the lamb and they obeyed the word. That word came through a man, mm-hmm. not necessarily through God, through a man, but the man delivered it to the people. So we got to pay attention to this progression. God was working through one man. That man was delivering the word to the people. The relationship the people had with their God was through the man. They had principles. They had things that the man was telling them they needed to do. And then going through all this and they were having these, these commandments, they obeyed obedience to a person that had a relationship with God. Obedience got them saved. But this act of applying blood on the doorpost, this Passover event was so big that we could quantify it as, well, that was, that had to be part of the law. That part of, it's a part of their culture. That's a feast, feast of the Passover, um, something so great. But it happened when they were, the people were just obedient in a very, very remedial time. They didn't have a depth of relationship. They were still in this ignorant stage without the law, but they obeyed the principle of what the man of God was telling them to do. And that in turn saved their life. But from that relationship with a man, God then gave them the, the commandments, gave them and then progressed into the law. And then the law was meant to give them direction outside of a man to now give more of a connection from them to, to him as this is the heart of God. This is what he wants me to do. Otherwise, when Moses died, they would have perished with Moses. Yeah. But when Moses died, he could impart things to Joshua and they could take that law with them and Joshua was obedient. So it can now go from man to man, to, from leader to leader, from pastor to pastor, from church to church, because there was something more established in the law. And that was a, typo, or a, a typology of what the spirit was going to do when the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. So now the, the law is, is a foundation, but the law has passed away. And now the spirit. So the spirit. The law was meant to be a mediator between man and God to give that connection. And then the spirit took its place and it's the the mediator between us and God. So tapping into that spirit, whether it's a spirit of observation, whether it's a divine spirit of your gifting, um, getting into the, the idea of obedience, getting into the practice of obedience in prayer taps you into that, that level. And gets that connection with God. And once you once you get that connection at any level with God, just begin to continue to do that, and it, it will continue to grow. You know, you we had said early on that we were going to talk about the what is prayer and why is prayer, and you actually 
hit on the nuts and bolts, bare bones, basics, foundational principle of what is prayer. And that is, or maybe the why is prayer, because you said, just do it. It is simply a matter of doing it because it's doing it that opens you up to all of the spiritual things that could com possibly come after the fact, but that never will happen if you don't do it. So when it comes to prayer, it's simply a matter of doing it, whatever that looks like for you, do it, whether that's crying and weeping or crying out in loud voices, whatever, do it. If you're just that quiet, contemplative person who's sitting in the presence of God in this quiet communication, do it. If you have this need just to sit and bask in the word while you're talking with God, do it. It's everything that we do that seems so natural, seems so basic, will direct us for every future step. That power of gift of observation that leads you and tells you to go pray for somebody right. will then open up the spirit to direct something deeper and further and guide you more. Right. And we've, we've, I'm going to add one last, one more comment. The, we've taken the, um, and we, people have preached against it on it different ways, but the Greek God, uh, Nikea, or we get, that's where we get Nike from. Um, they took this and that that's where that is. What's, what's Nike's slogan? Just do it. Just, Just do, do it. it. But Nikea or Nike is the God of victory. So maybe the Greek mythology had something had tapped into something. Um, so, but the God of victory, victory doesn't come unless you just get out and do it. So it's not telling you what to do. It's not tell. it's just a simple, this one step, put one foot in front of the other and just put one word in front of another word and just begin to do it and begin to build on it. And that'll bring you victory. So for these last 15 minutes, roughly, um, there's one final aspect of prayer that I feel is pertinent that we that we touch on because, you know, we've spent this whole episode talking about our our part of prayer, you know, of the you know, what 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 to do in prayer, how to pray, what our prayers for other people do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It all revolved around our our part that we play in prayer. Mm -hmm. But it is imperative that we remember that prayer is communication, not between you in empty dead space air, but between you and God. And just as much as you communicate, he communicates. Mm -hmm. And this is, I th honestly, I think this is one of the most overlooked aspects of prayer is the waiting to hear God's voice. And so what I'm going to reference here, um, there is, uh, I'm sure that you two are familiar with him. I know you are. Uh, I'm sure you are too. Brother Jason Cisco. Um, so and I'm not sure how long ago it was, but at his church, he did a series on the seven, seven levels of relationship and okay. focusing on the relation, not, you know, man to man, but between man and God. And it was um, shepherd to sheep, teacher to disciple, master to servant, friend to friend, brother, big B, to brother, little B, father to son, bridegroom to bride. And he went through and talked, to, and he talked on each of the different levels of relationship and what that relationship looks like in the life of the individual with their relationship with God, with their walk with God. Hmm. But, you know, and I'm not going to go through all that, but the, the reason why I reference this one, it's a really, it's a really profound teaching. It's on his YouTube channel, his church's YouTube channel. Um, but he made the comment of, uh, if you feel like you, if God never speaks to you, it's not because he's not speaking. It is because of the level of relationship that you are dwelling at. Mm. 
because God will not speak to you beyond your ability to receive it. All right. So he's not going to, just to give an example, you don't talk to your brother the same way you talk to your wife. You, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, not awkward at all. Uh, it, it's, it's the same, but it's the same concept. It's the same principle with prayer is, you know, you might be growing in your relationship with God and, and praise God for it, but you still might be at the discipleship phase. Yeah. Which, I mean, we all, we all, it's not that we ever leave a level, it's that we grow. And so you're always going to be a disciple, but then you become more than a disciple, but yeah. you still might be at the disciple phase. And so God's going to speak to you as a disciple not as a brother or not as a bride. But I feel like oftentimes we expect God, you know, we're, we may be at the disciple phase, but we expect God to speak to us as if we were at a bride phase, bride, that bride phase of relationship with him. Yeah. But we have to understand that there is a process of growth and maturity that takes us deeper in our relationship with God that then allows him to speak to us in more intimate and personal ways. Yes. And the question is, well, how do you do that? Just do it. Hmm. Like it all goes back to just doing it because you're never going to grow in your relationship with God. You're never going to grow in prayer if you don't do it. It's, it's, I know it's not that simple, but it's also that simple. I know we weren't going to talk about necessarily the hows of prayer, but I know for me, when I pray, it doesn't start out as this deep spiritual, oh man, Never. God just stepped in the room and here I am joining him. No, it's me talking to God. And as I talk to God and get there, then, then you begin. Because now I, through my doing it, have invited God or allowed God to come in and join me. Yeah, God's always with you. But sometimes... If you don't acknowledge him, right. he won't show himself. So your prayer allows God the opportunity to show himself. Right. So with the with the premise of just doing it, um, let me add another phrase that is that is important, and that is tap into it. Um, so when you tap into it, what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, when you're at a radio station. You can have a radio station that has multiple broadcasts across AM, FM, sister stations, different things. But all those stations are broadcasting through the airwaves 100% of the time. You're driving through those airwaves. You're walking through those airwaves. You're breathing the airwaves. That there is music. There is talking. There is wisdom. There is knowledge. There is ignorance in some cases. Um, there's a lot of things flowing on those airwaves and those airwaves are moving through the molecules of your body right now because they're being projected. And how I know that is if I have the right receiver sitting right next to me, no matter where I am, and I turn it on, called a radio, by the way, no receiver. If I turn it on and dial in to different frequencies, yeah. then I can, I can pick up and t I'm, I'm tapping into that frequency is what I'm doing. I'm tapping in from one genre of music to the next genre of music. You didn't to, create it. So my finding it. I didn't create it. I'm finding it. It is already there. God is already speaking. God is already speaking at every level of relationship to you. Yeah. But if you decide for 30 years, I'm only going to tap in to the lowest frequency, then for 30 years, you're only going to hear the lowest level of his voice. But that level of voice is always going to be pushing you to the next level, but it's still up to you to tap into that next level. Um, let me throw another example out for a transformer electrically. I can start out with, say, 480 volts coming out of the main, main gear, coming into a transformer. That transformer has different taps coming off of the windings. The windings provide the in, in, induction, the magnetic uh, field. I can tap off at different levels. Most commonly, you go 480 and you can tap off to 208, which gives you 208, 120. Um, for a panel, all of our devices plug into 120 volts, correct? Like, like at a house. So if I want to have that panel at 120, I can have 120. But if the transformer is designed as such with those taps, I could take a tap 
off of the winding and move it to another tap on the winding and increase the voltage output and it changes everything. But have I changed the source? Mm-mm, not at all. I've not changed the source. I've not changed the destination of the source. All I've done is that power is is operating at different levels and it's up to me to tap into that level. So the same thing with the frequency is you have to tap in and plug in to that level. If you want a higher calling a ministry, plug into a ministry that is at that level. Get connected. You don't have to be the most proficient before you tap in. Just tap in. Definitely. And that's the thing for no matter where you're at or how early you're on in your walk with God, you don't have to feel less than. You're tapping into the same source that Bishop so-and-so on his high mountain is, is tapping into. Same source. You're just starting your journey at a place that your body can take it. I guarantee if you plug in your iPhone charger directly to the source, your iPhone will never be the same because the iPhone is not prepared for it. There's, there's got to be a transition, a transformation, a transformer in between that changes that source to meet you where you're at. And so wherever you're at, tap in. And it's okay if you're not where you think you should be. Tap in. You'll get there because you will transform. That's the good thing about the source. The source will transform you. So we're rapidly running out of time. We only have about five minutes left, roughly. But, I mean, I feel like, you know, our conversation and our discussion on this topic has – I think this is going to help a lot of people. Hope so. I truly believe so. Um, and I'll repeat it again. Prayer is essential. And, you know, we're talking about just tapping in, just just doing it. And, you know, one last point before we really wrap up this episode. There has to be an aspect of intentionality. Yeah. There has to be an aspect of presence you know uh, you know i've heard i've heard people say that you know they get up super early mornings and they pray and they just you know they had their prayer time but they were half asleep while they were praying and so they really don't remember what they prayed about and on and on and on and on and on, and on. did you really pray hmm. is the question you know if you if you were half asleep okay again let's think about this in in relation to human relationship if you're having a conversation with somebody but you're half asleep while having it and they ask you the next day the next day do you remember what we talked about and you say no and your mind that conversation really did not happen and in their mind that conversation really did not happen because nothing was actually garnered through that conversation so there has to when when we approach prayer and i'm not saying again it's not about being super spiritual and it's not about being mystical or anything like that but just being present intentional right and having an awareness that's something that i pray often in my prayers is god help me to have increased level aware of awareness of your presence that i would not i don't you know we we had the old testament story of jacob was sleeping on the rock and he had a dream that god was coming like you know their angels were ascending and descending on the ladder of heaven and he woke up and he said surely the presence of god was here and i knew it not because there was a lack of awareness on behalf of Jacob. And, and, and we can experience that same thing. If we are just going through the motions of prayer, if we are praying simply for the sake of it being a discipline in our lives, there is a di- discipline is good. Don't misunderstand me. Discipline is essential. But if discipline is not met with relationship, Mm-hmm. then it amounts to nothing. Yeah. Relationship has to be intertwined with our discipline of prayer. There has to be intentionality. There has to be awareness. There has to be a presence. And you have to leave that place of prayer, not thinking, what did I pray about? But feeling this overwhelming sense of, I encountered the presence of God. Again, it doesn't have to be super spiritual. It doesn't have to be like, You were laid out on the floor, you know, just like overwhelmed by the spirit. But just knowing 
that you came face to face, panim in the Greek, face to face with the presence of God, whatever it looked like in your specific prayer meeting. Anything else you guys want to add? That uh, that wraps it up well. Wraps it up. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining in. God bless. We're happy to be joined by Heath Grepke today and might see him back. We'll see. God bless. Thank you once again for joining us today. We pray that all we talked about was a blessing in your life and helped to take you deeper and further in your walk and your relationship with God. And if it did just that, we ask that you would share this episode with a friend, a family, a loved one. If it's spoken to your life, maybe it'll speak into their life too and help them in their own walk with God as well. Again, we want to thank you. We pray that you have a blessed day. In Jesus' name. Thank you.